Polyhedron is a production of Headcanon Games, LLC. Please bookmark Headcanon Games for the latest in Polyhedron news. Polyhedron is sponsored by listeners like yourself. If you would like to become a patron of Polyhedron, please go to patreon.com slash polyhedron. Now, on with your show. Hello, and welcome to Polyhedron, your multifaceted podcast for everything RPG-related. My name is Matthew. I'll be your host for the evening. And alongside me will be my two co-hosts, Ryan and Scott. Hey. Hey. Hi, guys. What's going on? Uh, not much. Not much. What have you guys been up to since the last time we recorded, which was probably a couple weeks ago? Well, the biggest thing that happened in our gaming lives was that we had a fractured event, which, uh, as I previously mentioned in another episode, is the live-action Boffer game that I help run. Uh, it was a four-day event, which is abnormal. Uh, they're usually three-day events. Completely um, abnormal. Oh, yes. Yeah. So tired. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Yeah, it was very tiring. Uh, we, 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 we tried a little uh, little experimental uh, structure as far as uh, how the game went off on a narrative perspective. And uh, You're just wins- proud of yourself. Uh, yeah, I'll you know break what? this. There was, yeah, I'll break yeah, this. I did. There was some wailing and some gnashing of teeth, but I think eventually everybody got what was uh, being put down, and it it, uh, it worked pretty well. It, uh, Once it everyone, tr- like, as a group, like, said, okay, this is what's happening, we were okay with it. It, it, this like the scenario involved, you know, us as the plot staff, basically like like crapping on everyone's hopes and dreams for an entire day, um, and then uh, and then sort of pulling the big like it's a twist, uh, M Night Shyamalan uh, reveal that uh, you know that everything was sort of a glamour and illusion, and that the PCs had the opportunity to undo all the terrible things that had happened. Uh, and it resulted in a pretty kick-ass fight in a dark, dark field in the middle of the night, and it was cool. It was very cool. I, uh, there was definitely, as Scott said, some very gnashing of teeth earlier that day when we were all like, why is everything going to hell? Why does nothing make sense? This shouldn't be happening. And then we found out much later that we were getting tricked, and uh, fairies love those tricks, and so we had to do something about it. Man, were the PCs so motivated. They were just out for blood. Ooh, my, ra- yeah. my rage boner was quite large, yes. Yeah, that that, that, that kind of made all the, the turmoil. Because as as uh, hard as it was, I'm sure, on the PC side, it was it was fairly difficult uh, from you know an emotional standpoint from the plot side, side because, you know, this is our friends that we're dealing with. Uh, and, you know, we, we all knew that we signed on to, you know, boot on neck for a day. Uh, and that 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 can be difficult to do to your friends, uh, but it was a story worth telling, and uh, we we muscled through it. And to see, as as Ryan put, uh, the rage boner, uh, you know, pop off uh, was truly a satisfying thing. You guys really were in it to win it, and I was very happy to see that. Yeah, uh, it was great. It was fantastic. Um, but also, besides fractured, there's some other news that we should probably talk about, guys. Yes, indeed. Today, uh, yeah, yes. big news. Big news today was that. Paradox Interactive, a video game uh, company, uh, most notably for, I believe, King's Crusade. Magica. Is Magica. Pretty well known. They've, they've made also. a crap. They've actually made a crap ton of games. Yes, and yeah, they mostly ha- like real-time strategy slash RPG-ish uh, games. 
Yep. And the interesting how it re- involves RPGs, besides them them just making RPG video games, is that they bought uh, pretty much all of White Wolf Publishing from CCP. Um, the entire lock, stock, and barrel, that's Vampire the Masquerade, Werewolf the Apocalypse, Exalted, everything that CCP owned from the old White Wolf stock is now uh, Paradox Interactive. Fingers crossed for World of Darkness and MMORPG. Yeah, including cards. including all of the assets for you know the video various video game projects that were under development uh, that CCP eventually you know put in the trash can, uh, but thankfully didn't burn. Uh, so we act, that actually those properties and those assets still exist. So and Paradox can do something with it. Um, uh, it's it's intri- it's very intriguing. I'm I'm uh, cautiously uh, skeptical uh, about it just because you know I fear change. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, That's most but, Gen Xers do na- these days. Indeed. Well, it's it's very seldom good. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's it's interesting to see. Um, my 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 personal biggest concern is how this will affect Onyx Path Publishing, uh, which uh, in recent years was sort of a split off of White Wolf. Uh, some old White Wolf employees uh, uh, per- straight out purchased uh, the rights to some of older. Um, some other uh, White Wolf products that had not been uh, been used or developed in many years, and they licensed uh, from CCP some other White Wolf products. So how that relationship shakes out is going to be very interesting um, because the products that under their management, such as Exalted um, and uh, Trinity Universe, uh, are the ones that I personally care about the most as far as White Wolf's uh, product line. So I am very eager to know how that shakes out and how it will affect the games that I am very much looking forward to playing. Um, something that's very interesting about this, uh, because as we said, it's a shakeup, is because there's a lot of freelancers that I know I follow, and they're all kind of going, we had no idea this was about to happen. We were not informed. As freelancers, we don't have a lot of rights in this, but now they're like, I don't know if I can still write for them. Because they have the their contracts have to get reviewed and renewed, and we don't know what shape Vampire, Werewolf, or any of the other publications are going to get, or what uh, shape they will take. Well, luckily, there's been a, about four releases of each within the last like two years, so mm-hmm. you're in good shape for now. Which is interesting because Onyx Path is leased out a lot of the rights to write and publish. All of this material in Exalted Third Edge is getting released as we speak right now. It's still in the the final review process to to go to the printers. But after yeah. that point, when it gets into our hot little hands, we have no idea what it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Does Onyx yeah, Path the the core book got got pushed out to all their Kickstarter backers, and it's currently in basically like fan editing mode. Yep. Um, where, you know, like, they're, they're releasing it, uh, you know, uh, they're, they're, they've released it out into the wild and, and they're letting the fans that backed it, uh, you know, pour over it with a fine-tooth comb looking for, like, you know, editing mistakes and whatnot. Free playtesting. Um, yeah, free playtesting, absolutely. Yep. But that's the thing, is that th- that happens, uh, like, that happened, like, a couple, about a week ago, now this happens, and that puts you know the release of the core book like in a physical, like in stores um, fashion, 
there's a big question mark as far as that's concerned. Oh, I, I don't think so. I think something of this magnitude's probably already been the the paperwork's probably already been signed on this. Yeah. I think checks, I think checks are about to be cashed. Books, this round of books, don't worry about this round of books. Two years from now, if you're looking for supplements or something like that, yeah, then, you, that then things are going to get weird. That they are. Um, I, I'm excited slash concerned, just like Scott is. This could be very interesting. Um, this actually could be very exciting because for a very long time, CCP held on to and did nothing with the rights for a lot of these games that we really enjoyed. Um and so because of that, they just languished and people forgot about them. But now if Paradox is really, really interested in this stuff, they could really start putting some money behind it and get it out to the public. It could be even bigger than it is now. Yeah, because CCP, like, they made, like, Eve. Mm-hmm. And that's about it. Like, I think they made a couple other games. but uh, Par- I read a really dis- discouraging article about the people they had doing development for the white wolf, uh, for the white wolf mmo mm-hmm. for the world of darkness mmo and just how uh occasionally developers would just be snatched off the project to go do some bullshit for eve like well this asteroid needs a little bit of texturing work so could you just uh, stop rendering that nosferatu for a second like oh for god's sake yeah just yeah. like a lot of turnover i think i read an awful article management too. awful management yeah just a lot of turnover a lot of mismanagement of resources and also like a lack of vision as far as like what they wanted the MMO to do and be like. And so they yeah. just, it was vaporware. It just kept th- just thrusting vaporware at you. Well, like I said, like Paradox Interactive has made a crap ton of games, whereas, you know, CCP has made one, a couple, one big game and maybe a couple smaller ones. So that is a bit heartening because, you know, Paradox obviously has a, has a robust, uh, you know, organizational structure to put out games. Um, rather also, than just, they seem to have more of a sense of humor than CCP ever did. Yeah. I'll agree with you there. That's cool. I, well, that's, like I said, super exciting. Everyone's really into it. Uh, let, we're just going to have to sit on our hands and wait now and see, see what... How the, see how the cookie crumbles. Yep. All right. So let's get on to our main conversation piece for the night. Um, as everyone is aware... Uh, in our first episode, we talked about role-playing games, uh, what they were, and kind of what you do with them uh, in very general and broad sense. And we're going to kind of continue that, but we're going to focus it a little bit more on the player. Uh, basically, we're going to title this, uh, How Do I Make a Character? Who Should I Play? Uh, what Do I Need to Do to Get Into Character? That kind of stuff. What do I do, guys? Well... well. <laughs> Who wants to go first? We, we have, go I first. think we have some thoughts. <laughs> uh, the first thing you really have to ask yourself is, how do you want to spend your session? I, I mean, really, this is this is a very system-dependent question, but we're gonna, let's try to divorce it as much as we can from the mechanics of the of whatever. Yeah. I mean, if you're you know if you're a brooding '90s vampire, like what type of brooding '90s vampire seems interesting to play? If you're doing, if you're dungeon crawling in Dungeons and Dragons, like, how do you want? I mean, at that point, you're really just asking, like, what weapon do I want to use? How do I want to fight things? Because at the end of the day, Dungeons and Dragons is about how you fight things. Yeah, how you contribute to the conflict. Yeah. So what you're saying, Ryan, is it's about getting into, I guess, a mode 
uh, a thought pattern about what do I want to play? Like, what interests me, would you say? Yeah, I mean, you have to figure out what, what you're interested in. You have to... I know this is this is horrifyingly general, but it, it really does come down to, like, what? how do you want to spend each session? And if once you can answer that question, like, is there a certain situation where you want to be the boss of is another question. That's, you know, that's how I usually start. Like, what I mean, what is my speciality going to be? I mean, one way you can look at it is, you know, every game can be looked at as, like, a box of toys. Um, and, you know, the character creation process is you opening the box of toys and choosing which toys you want to play with out of the collection of toys. Um, uh, like, like Brian said, you know, you, you're, do you want to be a spellcaster? Do you want to be a fighter? Do you want to, or if you're playing something a bit less combat oriented, do you want to be a politico? Do you want to be, you know, an artist or a dancer or, or, you know, someone who plays a social game? Um, do you want to be crazy? Do you want to be uh, uh, antisocial? Or what? What it's? It, you have to really kind of look at the setting of the game that you're playing, uh, and sort of look at all of the options there, um, and marry those options, the ones that look intriguing to you, to a personality, to a a a person that is you know emblematic and uses those toys and those options uh, as a player and as a character. Um, so yeah, it, it, there's a it's a lot of sort of you know uh, picking and choosing and and picking your role your role in the group as well as something that that intrigues you personally and you're going to have most importantly you're going to have fun doing. There's also going to there's also being a stat block with legs. I mean, there's always that. It's, oh yeah, absolutely. It, that isn't. I mean, you know, we can poo poo on that all we want, but for some people that just makes them so very happy to so... roll big numbers. So actually, you bring up a good point, Ryan, and so do you, Scott. Um, so you're saying there are many different styles of play of how one like gets into character and how once you're Scott's saying you should just go have some fun, find out what where your fun is, and Ryan's saying it's perfectly okay if if your fun is in the realm of just being the stats and just being you with stats is perfectly fine as well. Yeah, just don't make it someone else's problem. Yep. <laughs> eloquently said my friend absolutely I mean that's another aspect <laughs> of character creation is thinking about the group mm -hmm. um, like if you're gonna like making sure that you don't play a character that is gonna be constantly you know stepping on someone else's stick or causing another character or another player problems um, that aren't fun to deal with you can't all uh, be the brooding loner, damn it. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, or like, you know, you can't be like the psychopathic, you know, backstabbing murder thief um, and, you know, have to expect your, your law-abiding paladin to, you know, put up with your shit. Yep. Um, and if you want to play that game, that's a game where you, everyone should be signed on for the fact that there's going to be times when it's just going to be you and the GM having a conversation about what terrible crap you're doing behind everyone's back, which is not particularly fun for everybody. So, uh, so one need, so what we've said so far is to get into your characters, find out where your fun is, where your interests lie, but also be considerate of the other players and the GM for that matter for the type of character you want to play. Absolutely. Right. As I said, if everyone's a brooding loner, no one's going to have a good time. Even if there's one actual truly antisocial jackhole character who's just difficult about everything and denying the call all the time, as it were, you know, it's just going to. Yeah, it's just going to ruin the whole 
experience for everybody and everyone's gonna you know after game be like oh god you know can we just not call tim next time <laughs> can we can we just re- maybe reschedule doesn't he have like piano on tuesday you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh so okay so now let's move on to this guys now that i i know what i want to play i know where my fun is and everyone seems to be cool with it like what i'm going to do what is the best way to sort of get me in the mood, as it were? You light a few candles. <laughs> you turn on some music. You see where it takes you, man. Maybe Lights you treat yourself a little. All right. Uh, uh, I mean, everyone uses music. That's the, you know, art, heavy RP person, God standard for getting in characters, listening to a certain type of music, which you feel speaks to the personality of the character. Um I mean, one one trick that I like to use uh, because I'm passively good at like voices and accents um, is is giving a character a voice uh, or a dialect or so, or some some distinctive method of talking, um, and that can be an incredibly easy way to get into character. Is just start talking like that. Like one hundred percent agree. One hundred percent agree. I was actually going to bring that up. <laughs> start yep. talking in the accent in the dialect. Take on the affect of that character, and it's it. That, it's, that's almost magical in its ability to get you in character. Yeah, it, like it, if you've been playing that character for a couple of sessions and you kind of have a good handle on how they they think, and you have spoken in that voice as that character, that is like just a quick little mnemonic, and it gets you right in there. Yeah. Um. I again, I think me and we and Ryan both agree with Scott. Uh, I've played a character in Fractured who I made a challenge for myself to try to get into an accent and. The more I do that accent, I can now slip into that character in less than 30 seconds. I, I know how he'll think. I know how he'll react. All because I'm so practiced with that voice in my head about how he constructs his thought patterns and how they come out of my mouth. Sometimes poorly. Sometimes very poorly, yes. Uh, mine is also actually how I move. Uh, that that's a. I mean, this, is, of course, has absolutely nothing to do with tabletop or even salon, but at LARPing... Uh, having a specific gait that you use that isn't quite your, your own. If physicality. With voice. Yeah. Yeah. Just being physically moving around that way. We'll, we'll do it for you. As far as like table topping goes though, just to take a roll it back from LARPing, the give a character a voice, a dialect and, and don't, you know, don't be weird and racist about it, but you know, <laughs> like for, for example, I have characters of that have their, you know, they just, talk a little bit more nasally than I do like or they'll just drop down to a slightly gruff or more bassy tone and that you know that's enough uh, also I mean if, if you are of the writing persuasion and and uh, write either like short fictions with your character or maybe even a character diary um, you know I, I'm, I'm not quite that hardcore but um, but rereading your work uh, like the things that you have written from the perspective of that character, uh, is a thing that, that that might be a little bit more advanced uh, than than is uh, common. Uh, oh, you you want crazy? My girlfriend develops a handwriting for each of them. Oh Jesus, that is yes. intense. Murphy has a handwriting for all of her characters. I could not do that for the life of me. Well, yeah, she's an artist, either. you know. Yeah. Uh, my wife uh, is is an art, also an artist, and she uh, you know has does a lot of character art for herself uh, and other characters. And that is like she has a style for if her if her character is an artist, which one of them is, uh, that character has a unique style of drawing and painting that uh, she she definitely 
employees, and that helps their character to character. So, I mean, what it all boils down to, like, is uh, probably the best method of getting in character is mnemonics. Mm-hmm. Uh, tricks, tricks like mental, physical, uh, vocal tricks that you 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 work on, you develop, and you you use as the character, and that allows you to use those tricks, fall into those tricks, to then fall into the character in a very quick, very easy fashion. Well, that's very good. Yep, uh, I I agree with all of that. Um, he, having methods. We're disagree one of these days. Oh, we will. Oh, okay. I I promise. We're just not. We're in the we're in the honeymoon phase, guys. Oh, we're kind okay. of like, yay! Everything's right. nice and happy. I mean, right. You notice how I just like clam up every time you talk about Dungeons and Dragons? Yeah, <laughs> yeah we'll get there. Yep. <laughs> I, we'll get. That's you in know. the show notes. I promise, guys. It's in the show notes. <laughs> Uh, so Scott, s- stop talking when we talk about Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> yes. Anyways, so I made a character. I've got all the characters sort of working in my mind. I've got his voice. I've got, I've done art. I've done writing. I'm in the character. I've played the game. I've had an intense time, and I leave the game, and the character doesn't leave me. I'm still kind of in that mode. I'm going to be honest with you. People I've seen just everyone talks about this like we we have a large community and on mm-hmm. facebook i see people talking about like the voice of a certain character in their head all the time and to me like i have absolutely no idea what any of you are talking about like i don't have that when i am done they go back in their box they do not they don't come out unless i want to chat with them for a moment or you know consult them i don't mm-hmm. have bleed i get depressed after larping because i've been on edge and have an adrenaline spike that's like three days long and then lose it. But other than that, man, I'm just me. Like, it's in a box. I, I personally manage bleed uh, very well myself. Uh, I think I can attribute that partially to being uh, very involved in theater for a lot, a large part of my, my youth um, and, you know, sort of managing character headspaces and whatnot. Uh, and and that, having done a lot of that sort of work in a technical aspect, uh, but yeah, no, I, I understand, you know, having, having the voice of your character in your head, um, it's very manageable. Uh, you know, this, this, this problem, I think it, it's much more emblematic of LARP than it is a tabletop, uh, because there is such a physical, uh, element to LARP, particularly bopper LARPing. Um, because you're, you're out in the woods for a couple of days and you're, you're that dude for those days. And I can definitely, I can understand it. I understand it. I don't necessarily experience it. Um, but it is a problem. Uh, Matthew, have you, do you feel this way? Do you ever have that, have that feeling? So, yes, I'm going to, I'm going to back up a little bit, guys, because I want to, this is getting to a slightly sensitive subject. This is also a slightly more advanced subject that we're talking about than just how to make a character in a game. Because we've all, as Scott said, there is a bit of methodology to this. It's a bit of acting that goes into this. And a lot of people to sort of, get into character, they try to feel whatever the emotion that would be in the character's mindset. So if something bad has happened to your character in game, you try to, you as the player are trying to bring up the feeling of being sad and like bringing that. So you think of like sad memories, like disappointing your parents, having a a loved one hurt or something like that. And that sort of wells up the emotion so that you can portray the character more accurately to everyone else. But because you're using your own 
memories and your own emotions to fuel this acting, it kind of can get on top of you or at least just sort of stay with you for a while. And besides just trying to explain the different methodologies, uh, I want everyone who is listening to be very careful of make sure you're very aware of your own emotions. Make sure after the game is done that you take some time, talk with your friends, talk with your family, kind of just chill out and sort of be yourself for a while so that these feelings don't sort of stick with you for too long because it, it's, I know it's a bad stereotype in role playing that, uh, that people have harmed themselves because of role playing and it's the devil, quote unquote, the devil's work and all the like. <laughs> Their problem is, and there are actually a movie called Maze and Monsters, uh, by, uh, who stars Tom Hanks is yeah. just about this. And it's about, so, it's so silly. It's, it's blackface for this sort of LARPing really. But it, there's a small hint of truth because there are, can be people who take role playing very, very, very seriously. Uh, to the point of being too serious about it, and they lose themselves to it a little bit. All right, um, I, all right. Yeah. I've been I've been talking for a second, so uh, I have right. something on that on that particular subject. Actually, it is all um, yours, man. The gamer's Nuremberg defense is se- se- doing something awful because it's what your character would do, quote unquote. That uh, gets even worse in a situation where everyone's actually being around each other in character for an ex- hugely extended period of time. Um, it's a problem that it's kind of hard to pick up on, but there are people whose characters are the worst. They're just the worst. They're horrible people. They scream all the time. They're not fun to be around. They're not funny. They're not good. And pe- and they wonder why people don't hang out with them outside of game. It, well, the secret of it is it really doesn't matter whether you're pretending or not. All your brain sees is a person who looks like that person you know being a complete and utter dick to you. And you can't rationalize that away, like, no matter how hard you try. So if you're if you're a jerk to someone in character a whole bunch, they're probably going to eventually dislike you out of character. Because, you know, you will never you'll never take that lit cigarette away just no matter how much you hurt them. And and that can actually go for tabletop experiences as well. Like it's just in a lesser form because it's, you know, not two whole days well i guess to sum it up i mean let's just be very clear about it guys role playing is a social endeavor you do it with other people uh at least as far as tabletop pen and paper and larping is concerned um because you have to be with other people in order to interact and play the game now video games is very different a lot of stuff we're talking about right now really doesn't apply to video games so we're sorry about that Oh, so, I don't know, man. World of Warcraft. What was that, yeah. Scott? Sorry. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Um, uh, yeah, there, there's actually a pretty elegant solution to the, you know, my character's a dick uh, uh, um, problem. Uh, if your character is a jerk and is going to push some buttons and rub people the wrong way, uh, there, there's a way to do that responsibly. And the way you do that responsibly is if you know that you're going to cause somebody problems and you're gonna you're gonna you know be be problematic in game. Talk to them beforehand. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, uh, I, I know a lot of a lot of people, particularly vampire players. Um, you know, I I am aware of, of a lot of vampire players who who you know play the game on two different levels. Uh, as in, 
like you know they they're they're being you know terrible and manipulative and awful to each other in play um but they feel like in order to to win they have to do so to do all of that crap out of play as well so but, Ooh, personality disorder territory yeah exactly um because well and the thing is the matter is that there's like i said there's there's a way to avoid this if you know that you're going to come into conflict with someone else's character uh Talking about that conflict with the other, with the with the player of that character beforehand at length, at length, you know, saying like, "This is why my character is going to do this thing," um, you know, uh, the, I know this is going to cause you problems. Why don't we talk about it beforehand so that we can manage each other's reactions? And you know, if we're going to be enemies in game, let's like work on that. Let's 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 let's, let's make it you, spicy. Yeah, let's yeah. you let's you and me be friends telling a story about how we hate each other compromise to make a better story which is a skill that is wow is it lacking in a lot of like gaming groups and communities like yeah. some people like sometimes that conversation is hey i'm gonna fuck your character over and and like would well could you not do that no like uh well i guess i guess that's yeah. what's happening thanks for telling yeah. me i suppose yeah it, it's it's the, the the part of part of this is a legitimate instinct to you know, not want to ruin surprises, to want to, you know, maintain your advantage. Because if the person that you're you're talking to, if the person who you are like are going to be, you know, in conflict in game is is a jerk about it, then they're gonna turn around and suddenly they're gonna know what's coming in play, even though they really shouldn't know in play because you talk about it out of play. Um, and they're gonna they're gonna twist it and, you know, essentially cheat their way out of whatever difficulties you're throwing their way. And that's really hard. That that can be a real hard road to plow. To hold hard road to to plow, uh, because that's 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 then that person being a shit. Um, you know. Uh, so it it's really about knowing your community um, and picking your picking your battles. And and if you want to have an antagonistic relations with someone, uh, maybe picking the person you want to be an antagonist of. Might be a skill to develop um, because some people, regardless of, of whatnot, some people are are jerks, you know, in, in real life, and you can only really manage your own, you know, ethics and morality. Um, and yeah, that's it's it's a it's a tricky thing to do, but it's way better than just calling off and being a jerk and not uh, and expecting everything to work out just fine. It is certainly a mark of a very mature person and role player if they're willing to talk out of play about stuff that's going on in game and willing to work with people to tell a good story and to make sure everyone is copacetic with what's going on. Simple, also, to simply, if the person is really adamant and obviously attached to something and it's and you're about to damage that, just don't do it. And that is one of the hardest things for for a player not to do is, oh, like, just actually just relenting and be like, okay, I guess I won't do that thing. I won't break your item or something like that. It's, you know, because you have to ask yourself sometimes, is it really worth the fight if, if they really, you know, didn't want it to happen that way? Yeah, something actually I should point out, and uh, we went off on a tangent. It was a very good tangent. But something I think we need to be said that's a very common thing amongst role players is the idea of meta gaming, meta knowledge. It's the idea of me as the player knows something out of play that's happening in game 
that my character doesn't know, but I'm going to do stuff in game with it. Um, and so some of the stuff we've been talking about not being a jerk, part of that goes to and not cheating is you ha using your meta knowledge and metagaming uh, wisely and not uh, trying to game the system and try to win, quote unquote, because mo most time in non-video games, we're not here to win. We're here to tell a good story and have and, fun. Which is not to say that all metagaming is bad. Uh, Ryan mm -hmm, touched mm -hmm. upon it uh, slightly. Like, you know, you, you, your character would do something uh, terrible. Um, and you, the player, know that that will cause problems out of play, you know, with real people and real emotions. Um, so that kind of metagaming, uh, acting, using the out-of-play knowledge of, this is a really shitty thing to do and I probably shouldn't do it, um, even though it might not be true to the character, that's good metagaming. Um, yes. In, in my opinion. Very much so. Oh yeah, definitely. You'll, you'll, also it allows for, uh, it makes you actually think about, you know, character development a little bit. Like, why didn't your character do that awful thing that he badly would have wanted to do? And, you know, not all of us are on board for a redemption arc, but if you're looking to start one, there's a good spot for it. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, that's very good, guys. We've gone over a lot concerning how to, what kind of character I should make how I can get into character, how to best manage my character out of game and with other people. So these are all really solid, good things. Um, uh, is there any other points before we wrap up on this section that you'd like to make? Uh, um, there's no crying in tabletop RPGs. Uh, no? Okay. That's Sorry. a lie, and you know it. Yeah. I'll cry if I want to. I'll cry if I want to. Look, I don't think I'd Ryan, be able to handle it if you started Ryan, crying. <laughs> Ryan, we're we're playing emo the summoning next week, and you better come correct. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm uh, working on it. Yeah. I got my diary and everything. I signed on for that at least. <laughs> <laughs> all right, give me a second. All right, uh, all right. Didn't too funny. Yeah, that is pretty funny. So let's go on. Uh, we're almost to the end, but we got a couple, like one or two more sections left. Uh, Ryan, you're up for random roulette. Ooh, 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 ooh. Uh, well, this is a really broad subject, so this is probably part one of many. But let's talk about resolution mechanics. What are resolution mechanics? My heart's all a twitter. Resolution <laughs> mechanics are when you say, "My dude hits that dude." It's how you roll some dice and decide if you actually hit that dude. Or you compare a number to his number or something like that. It's, it's how you decide whether something happens or not. Um, this is basically the heart and soul of every tabletop RPG. It's the thing that matters most because, you know, this is what makes the difference between a uh, collective round-robin storytelling and an actual tabletop role-playing game. Mm -hmm. So now that we, excuse me, now that we know uh, what resolution mechanics are, what would you like to talk about? Oh, I mean, just your thoughts and feelings on different ones. I mean, uh, we all know at the baseline, we have the D20 system, which is roll a D20, <coughs> add your number, hit target value, done. Mm. Uh, at, a, at another, there is the success pool system where, you know, you roll a big fistful of dice if certain a certain number pops up on them, 
you get a success. You you pull your successes until you hit a certain difficulty. Done. Well, this is going to be a very interesting topic to talk about. Uh, my thoughts and feelings. We've already talked a lot about thoughts and feelings earlier. Um, All right, we'll get Grognardi on. Yeah. Game. Okay. Uh, so mechanics in general for a game are important because they're the physics of the world you live in. They are exactly how you interact with it. Um, because of that, um, they can play a very big role in the kind of story you're telling. Like D&D, you use a D20. There's only 20 sides. That means there's uh, roughly, what, a 5% chance of any one of those sides coming up. And because of that, there could be a potentially large margin for error depending if you succeed or fail. And success and failure can really tell a character's story about how they succeeded or how they failed. And a lot of other games go in many, many different directions about how to do that. Um, some games like to give a lot more agency to the player. Instead of having a lot of dice, there's very little dice rolling, and it's a lot of fiat, like, I do X, Y, and Z because I have these things on my character sheet. I don't need to roll to succeed. Or I don't need to roll to fail because I choose to fail, which is a little weird, but it works. In my youth, I, I much preferred the... Uh, I, I, I like Dungeons... I mean, my first system was D20 system, but honestly, like as I've gotten on in years, uh, the less dice rolling, the better. Scott, what about you? What do you think about all this? Uh, yeah, I mean, Matthew, you actually touched on what I was about to talk about, um, which is, you know, they're, they're like... Dice rolling and you know hitting hitting target numbers and whatnot that's that's all pretty standard. Most role playing games do that. Um, but you know where where the where the wonkiness comes in is you know you've got some games, particularly one that I was thinking of was Houses of the Blooded, um, where you know it's a it's a kind of a dice pool. You throw a bunch of d sixes at the table and you try and hit a certain number. Um, but what happens when you hit that number or don't hit that number is very different from from other role-playing games, like if you win your role in Houses of the Blooded, um, that does not necessarily mean that you win the action that you are trying to accomplish. It, it, what, it, what it grants you is what the designer, uh, the writer of the game, John Wick, calls privilege, uh, which is the ability to, to say whether or not you succeed or fail uh, and how you succeed or fail. Uh, at the at the game, like if you if you beat your target number, you get to say that. If you fail your target number, the GM gets to say that. So, success or failure is not determined by the dice. It's determined. It, the dice determine who has narrative control in that instance. And um, oh, that's, which is, that's a neat one. Yep. Oh yeah. Um, John Wick is an indie developer, just so everyone knows. So he kind of writes all the books himself, mostly. And publishes them, I believe, through his own company or by himself. Um, and a lot of indie games like to go off the beaten trail. Uh, D&D is kind of sort of the gold standard of RPGs, at least pen and paper I ones. I almost hate it now, having played a lot of other RPGs. I almost <laughs> hate Dungeons I like 5th edition is as clean and nice as I, as I think it can get. I mean, I really don't know what more you could do with a system like that to make it more interesting and more elegant than the way it is. That doesn't mean it's the best system. It's just a good system for the setting and the type of stories they're trying to take. And actually, that's a point I want to make. Uh, so let me get on my soapbox for just a second. Uh-oh. In, I'm a big proponent of the idea of mechanics help you tell the story, and because of that, 
they influence if the game is going to be good or not. A system, some systems try to be very general, like D&D or even GURPS, which is literally a universal role-playing system, so it can cover all the bases. But in my mind... Sucking. But the problem with me is that that doesn't tell a distinct story. Like, White Wolf has the storyteller system. That uses a very specific set of rules and very specific set of sort of dice. And because of that, it's telling a very specific set of stories. Like Vampire, they have a track for the thing called Humanity. And that tracks literally how human feeling, human acting you are. And the higher it is, the more human you are. The lower it is, the less, the more inhuman you are. And that tells a lot about the story you're telling and the type of narrative you're trying to inject. And so I, I, I think when people talk about mechanics, I think it's extremely important that they talk about the narrative with it. Like it all flows into one or the other. Well, I, you know, I feel like actually uh, one of the White Wolf's actually greatest failings is its resolution mechanics is how it actually handles success and failure because it's all based on a success pool. I mean, I don't know what what about it takes me the wrong way, but there's a certain power level that you get to where like percentile-wise you're not actually, you know, the percentage is actually the same, but you don't actually get that much bang for your buck above a certain number. Like it's there's only so much you you can succeed, so why why bother caring about it? Like certain numbers, it that could be an entire it could be an entire podcast in of itself. No, oh, yeah, it can because we'll probably be one episode where we we'll talk a lot about just mechanics, interpretation of mechanics, and how you tell a story from there. Um, any other thoughts, Scott, about this? Um, no, I just think that you know the the at the end of the day the 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 mechanics are there um, to essentially uh, arbitrate something that is uh, sort of inherently subjective. Like the, the role playing experience is, is a pretty subjective experience, um, and you know all mechanics are arbitrary um, because you know they're they're trying to approximate something that is either you know you 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 either can't or should not do in real life. Um, such as, you know, shooting cops. Um, yeah. Please don't do that. Please yeah, don't. Yeah. <laughs> ah, yes, the vampire special. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, it, it, all mechanics are arbitrary, so it, it really is a matter of not so much how realistic or functional they are, um, but more so how suited they are to telling the type of story that you're trying, trying to experience. Uh, wholeheartedly agree, as I've already said. Uh, um, yeah. Oh, Very uh, much so. It it really it it also lays in the hands of the storyteller um, to uh, decide. You know, again with the House of the Blood, I like it because it's like, well, who controls the scene? You know, at that point, I mean, in in a lot of games, it is the storyteller controlling the scene, but they can you know take take mercy on you. Is it really worth saying you failed utterly and miserably if you were you know? one single degree shy of the success criteria or do you get a middling result and that that's really on the in the lap of the storyteller but it's always better to edge towards you know you almost made it rather than no you outright failed haha a lot of games try to do that where some games are extremely try to be extremely harsh and like black and white with the result some are much more uh, um 
uh, what's the good word? Uh, a lot more. Forgiving. Lot, yeah, forgiving. Thank you. Oh, sorry. Yeah, a lot more just forgiving about the situation and try to say, just like Ryan said, uh, you succeeded sort of, but something else happened. Maybe bad, maybe good, but something else did happen. Um, oh, something that I need to point out for, I know we've been talking a lot about pen and paper and LARPing, uh, especially with this discussion that we're having right now. Uh, something to also note, this sort of applies to video games too. You have mechanics. You have to push buttons to make your dude do things. And how you push those buttons and what those buttons do greatly affects the sort of story and narrative that you're kind of involved in. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, yeah. I agreed. I, I think that the resolution mechanics of video games are mostly, you know, cloaked away in, in shadows yeah. left for Reddit subreddits, you know, to parse out. But I mean, it, at the end of the day, you do have some agency in what your uh, what statistics you're throwing down. Yeah, and uh, yeah, go ahead, Scott. Just, that just makes me think of Undertale, which I haven't uh, played it yet. I've oh, been trying to get into it. Ooh, uh, uh, that game. That's I'm, it's really I mean, good. I'm told I'm gonna need like at least two clonopin for, for experience. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just like yeah. a, like a whiskey and some clonopin, so I can just like put myself out afterwards if it gets too upsetting. Yeah, that, that, I've, yeah, that I'm, I, I, it's one of those games that I'm hesitant to talk about because it is it, it's such a personal, intimate experience, um, and they do maybe, a lot. Maybe so we'll a while just, from it, now we can have a deep discussion yeah. on it. But in terms of like, in terms of resolution mechanics, um, it's a video game, and its resolution mechanics are not occulted or occluded in any way. Um, like it, it, you know what you're doing. Um, like there's very little math involved in that game. Uh, it, it's all about choices and how you go about accomplishing the the story and and overcoming the obstacles that are in front of you. Oh, part two of this could be uh the com- the complexity of resolution mechanics because my god, they that can get is, crazy. It can get real silly. Yes, yes, that could be something we talk about another day. That could be an entire episode. All um, right. So, uh, okay, so we've talked a lot about a lot of things, guys, and it's all been really cool, but we've got to end the you show. say so. <laughs> um, I, I think we're going to be doing something for our listeners, just so everyone is aware. Uh, in about two episodes or so, I think we're going to have our first RPG review. Uh, we haven't exactly picked which RPG we're going to review, but we're going to review an RPG on the, on the show, and I'm super excited about that. So. Oh, the fur will fly. Oh, yeah. boy. Oh, we're not doing the furry one, are we? No, I don't uh, think so. I mean, we could. But, but I want to... Never mind. Steve no, Jackson don't. Games. <laughs> <laughs> don't go there. Don't go there. Oh, oh, we are. We are going there. You All can right, do well, anything in GURPS. Anything. Yes, you literally could. And, oh, my God. I. Mm, okay, okay. I'm going to stop there. I'm going to stop Yip there. GURPS. Yip GURPS. <laughs> All right, so let, let's close this show out. Uh, first, a few closing notes. Uh, as if you want to give us feedback, everyone, uh, or give us discussion topics to discuss on the show, we are at polyhedronpodcast at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at bioimportance. Ryan, where where people find you? Uh, I'm at Arduous, R-J-U-O-U-S, and you'll know it's me because I look like a gargoyle. Uh, and I am at Divis Melcap. Cool. Excellent. 
Um, also, please, everyone that's listening to this, uh, by now we should have our Patreon out, and it's going to be at www.patreon.com slash polyhedron. Please, it, the show will always be free, but if you feel like supporting this and helping us out, please do. We would greatly appreciate it. Also, um, if you're listening to this on iTunes, uh, please give us a, f- uh, please go there, give us a five star review, um, and so that we can get the word out about the podcast and people can listen more and, and get a part, part of this community. Alternatively, give us an absolutely ridiculous one star review. That oh. would also be very funny. If, if yeah. you're going to give us a one star review, go for gold, man. Just, and if, and if you're going to do that, we will read that review on air. Yeah, um, I will. I, like, I, I we're going to ham it up. We're going to ham it up. So and good. I'm going to make your voice sound silly. But we, <laughs> but if you give us a five star review, we'll really appreciate it. We will say your name out on the podcast, and we'll we'll give you nothing but praise for the end of days. But so, not too much, because you know, don't want to. That's what this is about: pandering. Yes, we of course. So, I think that's a good show. I'm going to call it a wrap, guys. So, right. everyone out there who's listening, go have some fun and be safe. Go roll some dice. <laughs>